And that's about all I have to say tonight, except for one thing. The past few days when I've been at that window upstairs, I've thought a bit of the shining city upon a hill. The phrase comes from John Winthrop, who wrote it to describe the America he imagined. What he imagined was important because he was an early pilgrim, an early freedom man. He journeyed here on what today we'd call a little wooden boat. And like the other pilgrims, he was looking for a home that would be free. Hello and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Up front, you heard the dulcet tones of Ronald Reagan in his farewell address. So that was a little bit of a teaser. Uh, we're going to be talking about the City on a Hill today. We're going to play the entirety of that clip so you can hear uh, Ronald Reagan make his argument about what this shining city on a hill is. And then we're going to be able to use it as a jumping off point for teasing apart the tension that is this phrase for those that have citizenship in the kingdom of God and those that have citizenship in the United States of America. So we talk about it all the time. It's the title of our podcast, but we'll listen to that and then we'll come right back. And that's about all I have to say tonight, except for one thing. The past few days when I've been at that window upstairs, I've thought a bit of the shining city upon a hill. The phrase comes from John Winthrop, who wrote it to describe the America he imagined. What he imagined was important because he was an early pilgrim, an early freedom man. He journeyed here on what today we'd call a little wooden boat. And like the other pilgrims, he was looking for a home that would be free. I've spoken of the Shining City all my political life, but I don't know if I ever quite communicated what I saw when I said it. But in my mind, it was a tall, proud city built on rocks stronger than oceans, windswept, God-blessed, and teeming with people of all kinds living in harmony and peace. A city with pre-ports that hung with commerce and creativity. And if there had to be city walls, the walls had doors, and the doors were open to anyone with the will and the heart to get here. That's how I saw it and see it still. And how stands the city on this winter night? More prosperous, more secure, and happier than it was eight years ago. But more than that, after 200 years, two centuries, she still stands strong and true on the granite ridge, and her glow is held steady no matter what storm. And she's still a beacon, still a magnet for all who must have freedom for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurtling through the darkness toward home. We've done our part, and as I walk off into the city streets, a final word to the men and women of the Reagan Revolution, the men and women across America who for eight years did the work that brought America back. My friends, we did it. We weren't just marking time, we made a difference. We made the city stronger, we made the city freer, and we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad. Not bad at all. 
And so, goodbye, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. And we're back. <laughs> so that was, uh, like I said, that was a good little speech, frankly. Oh, <laughs> it sort of brought tears to your eyes, Eric. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Um, a good little speech, though. And it was his farewell address, right? Farewell address. Yeah. And uh, what I think is interesting is he, no- he notes, I've been using this my entire political career. And then he quotes John Winthrop. Um, uh, like you mentioned, a, a pilgrim that came over on, what do you say, a little wooden boat mm-hmm. um, in the 1600s uh, with some of some of the pilgrims, and they were going to start something new. And he grabs that phrase that Winthrop uses. So I'm going to, before we get going, I'm going to just read from that sermon. And you, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes too. So if you want to read the sermon, it's like, it's like a page long. It's like the shortest little sermon. <laughs> Everyone wishes my sermons would be like that, yes. So uh, towards the end of the sermon, he says, uh, as they're on the boat, they're, they're almost um, to what would become New England. He says, may the Lord make it like that of New England, for we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. So John Winthrop uh, using this phrase, and then Reagan says, I quoted John Winthrop, and I'm, I'm just going to point out the obvious, and both of us happen to be preaching on Matthew 5 this week, but these are not Reagan's words, these are not John Winthrop's words, these are Jesus's words, and uh, they're, from, they're from Matthew 5. You want to grab those which words? Which is or? the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, beginning verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it shall give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's good stuff. I, I don't know if you notice this progression, Scott, but I think what's so fascinating is that in the 1600s, uh, it's a sermon. John, John Winthrop is talking to Christians, and knowing they know their Bibles, he makes this, this little leap, this little step into conflating what's going on on the boat. Um, I'm talking to Christians, and the way Jesus lays this out, the Christians are the city on the hill. The church is the city on the hill. The kingdom is the city on the hill. The people of the kingdom are the city on the hill. He's talking to them and starts using this language of city on a hill and then says, we're gonna, this, that's going to be New England. That's going to be this place where we're going. And he, he conflates those two. Now it's, now it's hard to pull them apart. And then when Reagan quotes them, um, it's not even a conflation anymore. I, I'm, I'm quoting Winthrop. And this is all about America. And he lays out his vision, and it's a compelling vision for a city-state, no doubt. Um, but it rings with the, with the tone and with the melody of Matthew 5, which I think is where the rub is. I think there's, that's where the difficulty is. 
it is interesting that Reagan doesn't even say it's from Jesus. <laughs> but Which you would have known. <laughs> you would think. The the fact that Winthrop probably was speaking to kingdom people on that mm-hmm. boat. They were mm-hmm. coming to to uh, get away from their religious persecution and practice their religion uh, freely in this new country, uh, on this new continent. And so they would have all heard Light on the Hill mm-hmm. as though, well, it was a sermon, as though it was the words of Jesus mm-hmm. about what Jesus was doing. And the thing is, Jesus never said he was starting New England. He was not starting a new country. He was not uh, making a new nation or city-state or anything there. Jesus was planting his kingdom in the world and inviting people into it. Mm -hmm. And those people that were coming into it then would form, as we've mentioned here before, embassies of this heavenly kingdom here on earth, no matter what city-state they were part of. And but the thing is that distinction was never very clearly stated. So what Winthrop did was talk to those kingdom people and uh, just drag the the affection that they might have for Jesus and His kingdom into this um, new nation state that was they were planning to get started, and that. That's what Reagan was certainly doing, too, when he comes up with a shining city on a hill. Uh, I, th- I think that someone who is a Jesus person should say, yes, that's mm. great. I love, I love that. I remember that was a, sort of the inaugural address of Jesus. Right. right. And so I'm all about that. But then the fact that it's no longer about the kingdom of heaven like Jesus intended, but because the way Reagan used it, it's now about America. What is this kingdom person to do? What am I to do now? You know, I have a problem. I'm a a citizen of both kingdoms, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to look at both kingdoms and say, how do I navigate both of them claiming to be a city on the hill? That's, I think, the tricky thing. Right. And what does that mean to be a city on the hill? Uh, So... That's the hard part, because there's there's no question that Jesus did not affiliate his city on a hill in any particular nation state. It was going to be a city on a hill every single place that it was planted. Mm-hmm. And so when... And to push that a little bit f- further, there will be embassies in every single nation state right. of the kingdom, and there will be representations of the city on a hill in every, where every tongue is, where every tribe is, where every language is, there will be representatives of that city on a hill that are pointing to that future kingdom where Jesus is king. And finally, that kingdom will also have represent, mm-hmm. you know, the final kingdom will have mm-hmm. representatives of not just New England right. or the United States, but of every nation state. And so uh, th- this, is, this is tricky because when we put them together like that, then all of a sudden... We, <laughs> it's very easy to say that this kingdom of heaven equates to the United States or New England. Mm. And we put those together, we mash them together, you might say, mm-hmm. and we have some sort of religious 
Christian nationalism mm-hmm. that is invited, at least invited, if not just expressly stated, in using that metaphor. Right. And I, I think it, it's worth just a, just a caution. Like as you hear that phrase, Christian, dear Christian, dear fellow Christian, brother, sister, a member of the kingdom, when you hear that phrase, just pause for a moment. What, who's using it? How are they using it? Uh, it's going to, if you know your scripture, it's going to uh, ring in your heart a certain way, and and it's going to pull your affections some way. And if that those affections are being pulled um, away from the kingdom and to something else at the expense of your allegiance to the kingdom, be cautious about that. Don't don't engage that. Um, and this is not me saying. You can never use any literary illusions. You can't talk about anything. We were before we started. We were talking about using old Greek myths as illusions, and maybe Icarus colliding or um, Odysseus lashed to the mast. Uh, those are those are great ways to put the picture of of an idea into someone's mind, so you can get your point across. Um, but be careful when you hear that. Where where is your affection being drawn? Well, they are. An illusion like that is shorthand, mm-hmm. and it's meant to n- not say everything that could be said about a city on the hill, right. but to draw whatever affection there is for that city on the hill into the new context. Mm-hmm. And and that is that shorthand means more to people who understand the original. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't know how many of our listeners really got what you were talking about there <laughs> with the mast and the uh, uh, Icarus, but that's. It would mean more to them if they did, if they mm-hmm. knew that. And the same thing with Sin and Hill. That means more to Christians than it does to those who are not part of the kingdom. Mm. And so so we import more with that phrase than is there for the, you know everybody, really. Well, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about this before, but uh, a non-Christian hearing that phrase... It, it it can it can stand alone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see someone hearing that and going, ah, there's many cities in the world, as it were, city states, nation states. Um, but in this metaphor, there's many cities in the world, and we want our our city to be the one that stands out, to be the one yeah. that others can look to and say, hey, that's a pretty good way of doing things, which is not a not a bad metaphor. Which is not ha- too far from how Jesus intended it when he used it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what somebody would hear. Christians hear more than that. They hear mm-hmm. Jesus endorses this city on the hill. That that's part of the connection there. I think, I don't or, know or the I, temptation to think that is is strong. I, you don't have to think that. Right. That's true. Right. But the endorse an, an endorsement might be too strong. But the fact that they're even equated, I think, is probably uh, an that's probably an easy thing to, to mm-hmm. an easy accident to have, I mm-hmm. guess, when you say that. Well, and even more so, Winthrop was putting those together. <laughs> like he he was putting those together in a way that makes it makes it hard not to assume that about about New England. Yes, in a in a sermon. Mm-hmm. Yes, in a sermon, no less. All right. So we talked about that, um, and and let's make it explicit one more time. Kingdom people are the city on a hill, not America. Um, you wrote down here that the world wants what the church church has. So, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I I think it's interesting 
that both John Winthrop and Ronald Reagan borrow Christian words and uh, an idea that Jesus used for his kingdom for what's going on in New England or the United States. In other words, there's something there that is attractive enough to borrow. Mm. And uh, that is, I, I don't think that it's, I mean, I guess I would say, so let me say it positively, I think it has a good motivation. Mm. I do think that the world needs more salt and light, and they know it. Mm that the United States needs more salt and light and uh, would love to represent that in the world. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a noble and that's a wonderful ambition. And I, I want to acknowledge that. And in acknowledging it, say that, that that is also an admission that the church has something that the rest of the world wants. Mm. That uh, the... What Christians have, and I think we underestimate this a lot, we have something in the kingdom of heaven that is of such glorious value that if somebody can borrow from that for the sake of their nation state or for the sake of whatever, I mean, people borrow David and Goliath for their sports team. I mean, there's a lot there that is worth borrowing. And I say that because we tend to get an inferiority complex, I think, and think, well, you know, I'm just a Christian. Everyone's against me. It's all bad. And here you have, it's not all bad. In fact, it's so good. Let me take it and apply it to something else in, right. in hopes to borrow some of the virtue that mm-hmm. is present in the kingdom of God. And so, yes, I would encourage, I guess I would encourage kingdom people to really press into the kingdom and get the full value of it and not mm-hmm. settle for uh, uh, an imitation city on mm-hmm. a hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I I think one of the... So I, I've mentioned the the potential temptation there, the, atten- the potential drawing to another place, like you're mentioning a, a counter, counterfeit or lesser or city on a hill light. I don't, I don't know what you... 2.0. 2.0 or 0. 0.5. I don't know. Point one, um, and and one of the problems there, if I allow that conflation to occur and attach my affection to the lesser city I belong to, and go this this is the city on a hill, um, if the church does that, if I do that and attach uh, my affection there, then I have to defend all the all the missteps, all the difficulties of let's just call it the American experiment. I have to defend all that, account for all that, um, account for the brokenness of actors in this world who are not members of the church, because if this is the city on a hill, the city on a hill's gotta be good, and man, I'm gonna start spending a lot of energy defending things and discounting things and maneuvering and spinning things that I don't, I don't have to defend. I don't have to, I don't have to spend any time doing that. Well, what, what you're saying, and I think rightly so, is that to borrow this city on a hill metaphor, hook, line, and sinker, is to say that America is Christian. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then all of the things about America must therefore also be Christian. And whether it's slavery or the way that they treated indigenous people or whatever other uh, abominations, 
happened under the you know in the city on the hill Mm -hmm. then either the city on the hill is tarnished or i have to somehow pretend that didn't happen or minimize Mm -hmm. it or say it wasn't so bad or something and what i think you're advocating is what i would advocate is to keep christianity separate from america so that the the city on the hill does represent the kingdom of heaven and yes granted there are enough there's enough brokenness there too mm-hmm. that we have plenty to apologize for for sure but i don't want to apologize for things that i don't need to i don't want to i don't want to uh, open myself up to saying that i embrace all of this when i think it's uh, it's more than i can uh, you know mm. apologize for or make an ex- explanation for i think mm. Mm. Well, and the "you can't serve two masters" line comes to mind. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go hook, line, and sinker some, somewhere, I'm, I necessarily am not going hook, line, and sinker for the kingdom. And I think the better idea would be to just correctly identify as the city on a hill, as the church, and live lives that are in accordance with that identity. And I'm that has me going back to the beginning of Matthew five, where, where that this illusion comes from. The sermon starts, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus goes on listing all these characteristics. And we already talked about them in another episode, but these are the things that are uh, identifiers of those who belong to the kingdom. And lean into that. That's where your identity is, rather than whatever uh, whatever characteristic or whatever way of living in the world would be presented to you in America or in, the, in, in this country, in this city-state. Um, we're kingdom people. Live as kingdom people. Realize you are kingdom people and just embrace that. What a wonderful wonderful inheritance. We belong to a wonderful king. And if we live as the proper city on a hill within this city that wants to be a city on a hill, but we, we have the better picture, that's such a better way to go. And, and living, lives, um, living lives there will show people the kingdom. And we get to just exemplify that. That's Just lean, lean into that. Go hook, line, and sinker for that. That's good advice. The you, you mentioned the salt and light come right after the Beatitudes. And I think that the reason that Jesus goes with salt and light is that there is this public-facing uh, aspect to his kingdom and to the kingdom people. We, we didn't get that in the Beatitudes. We got more of the here is what you are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, those who mourn, blessed are those who are meek. And we got this more, I don't know, introverted or internal kind of a look. And I would say that probably the way to think about this city on the hill or the light that you don't want to put under a bushel, it's the same, right, the same text there, uh, is that that's the public-facing expression of the character that's described in those Beatitudes. So the poor in spirit, the merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, peacemakers, those are the people then who, when they face publicly, have the effect in the world of salt and light. Mm -hmm. And so you might say then, too, that the salt and light govern their actions in the world. So as I move around in the world, as I live in this world as a kingdom person, 
I'm going to live in the world governed by the poor in spirit. In other words, that my character is poor in spirit or meek or mourning or merciful. Hmm. And that that shapes the way that I act in the world. And I think that that's important because we, and, and again, people may start right and end wrong and or mean well and end not so well, but we end up uh, in places where we're shaking our fists, screaming about, you know, our rights or morality or you know, wanting something, it might even be something good, but we're doing it in a non-kingdom way. We're, we're not, in other words, we're doing it in a way that's not governed by being meek or poor in spirit or mournful or a peacemaker. Or hunger, hungering hungering and thirsting thirsting. for righteousness. Yeah, so we're doing it in this way. I mean, we're doing it in some other way, even if it's a moral thing or a good thing, but we're doing it in this other way. And we're sort of tone deaf to everyone outside the kingdom. We're no longer than reflecting the kingdom of heaven. We're doing something different. We're probably taking some sort of political action that is recognizable in the world, doing mm-hmm. it the way the world does it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think it's really important to recognize sort of the governing uh, aspect of these beatitudes on the the actions, both the the ends that we pursue, what it is we're after, mm-hmm. and the means by which we pursue them. Mm-hmm. And when that governs us like that, then I think that we uh, are living as kingdom people while we do kingdom things. And some of those things may impact you know, America, some of them may not. Mm-hmm. And that's... Uh, you know, as I just sit back and look at my news and think about all the pressure that that I have had in the last couple of years politically, mm-hmm. I see a lot of behavior that does not become meekness and mm. poor in spirit and mourning. Mm. I see a lot of shaking of fists and raising of voices and uh, you know typing strong opinions in social media. And attempting to just own the other side, whatever the other side is, for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that, I think, is taking. It's it's getting that conflated again. Oh, this is this is our city. Well, the 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 people that seem to be effective in this city seem to be doing X Y Z. Ergo, I must do X Y Z like they do X Y Z if I want any results to happen. Yeah, that that's I think really really a good observation. Is that the way that. The way the one city works is not the way the other city works. And I, right. boy, if if people have listened to this podcast the whole time and only got that, that would really be mm-hmm. wonderful because the way that the city of the world works is not the way this city on the hill works. In other words, one operates by power, one operates by being poor in spirit. One operates by being assertive, one operates by being meek. Mm-hmm. One operates by shaming the other side, the other operates by mourning. Mm-hmm. And you could continue through the Beatitudes there, but that governing principle is the same because the the, the character of Jesus on display, the light shining through these kingdom people is the light of Jesus, really. Mm. And that's going to work a different way than it works in the world. And so, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Mm.
the other thing related to that, if I can say it this way, is that um, I have always been taught that what salt means, especially in salt and light, uh, so I, excuse me for including salt and not just a city on the hill, but salt and light, mm-hmm. that the the salt especially is Christians have the responsibility to be the moral conscience of the nation, you might say. Or they have the responsibility to promote morality. And that's the function of salt, is to preserve or to, you know, to protect. And this is, this is really tricky because what happens in the very first step, probably, maybe a second step, is that Christians begin to, to be um, known for what they're against rather than what they're for. Mm. I'm against all of these moral, morally bad things. And, I, and I'm not necessarily known for being for the kingdom of Jesus. I'm more known for what, I, what immorality I'm against. And that speaking up against is often not uh, done in a meek or poor in spirit way or peacemaking way. And so I get, I get uh, oriented in the world in a way that's not a kingdom orientation. And that is... That comes in some respect from the, the teaching that at least I've received. In fact, I just read some teaching that way uh, a moment ago uh, about what it means to be salt and light in this world. So that I just, I just want to throw that out there because I think there's more to it than uh, merely standing up for morality. Mm. And again, we've talked about this in other episodes, how the the religious aspect especially the civic religion in america is in some respect to promote morality because morality makes for a governable uh, mm-hmm. people and and it's good and morality is better than immorality so all of that i'm not saying any of that's bad i'm just saying that that i don't think is a point of the salt and light it seems to me that the point of salt and light is that uh, to indicate the public lives of kingdom people. In other words, when they are seen in the neighborhoods, when they're seen at work, when they're seen um, doing whatever they're doing, they, their lives reflect the inner transformation that takes place when they identif- identify themselves with the king. Mm-hmm. So that it is the light of Jesus, you, you might say, shining through. Mm-hmm. So that it is the 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 flavor of Jesus in the world that is having its effect in all life. Right. And so it permeates all of life because that's how the king rolls. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and there there are good works are described in or referenced in verse sixteen, but if you if you're in the context of Matthew five, thirteen through sixteen is not just maybe not not, not at all. Um Make sure you, you shout morality so people understand and make sure you bend people who have no connection to the kingdom at all towards your morality. If, if, if that's where you go with 13 and 16, you've just rejected 3 through 12. Yeah. Not rejected, but at least ignored. And I, I think it's pretty obvious that the, the, the saltiness and the, the lightiness, just to go with that, 
um, of kingdom people is that they are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That's all character stuff. That's identity stuff. That's uh, who people are type stuff. And there are definitely good works that come out of that. If you are a meek person, the, the, the works that you do are going to be uh, defined by meekness and defined by a desire for righteousness. But it's not, I, I better get more salty, go do some, go do some good stuff. No, this, this is a thing you are because you belong to the kingdom. And that meekness that infects your actions mm-hmm. will have a good effect on all of life. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that purity in heart that affects all your actions will have a good effect on all of life, which is, I think, what the salt is all about because the, we use salt, I mean, salt's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, I think, what... Uh, Jesus is getting at is that yeah salt is really used throughout life and it permeates everything mm-hmm. as well as light I mean light just you don't need a ton of light and the darkness is right not a thing anymore and I think to push that a little bit further the necessity of salt in life is widespread I was just thinking about this when when I go running if I've lost a lot of salt in my body and I'm not able to retain water, it's not going to go well. Like you need electrolytes for a reason. Um, there's there's a preserving aspect to salt. There's a enhancing aspect to salt. All those things. Just the the level of necessity of salt in life is is massive. You take salt away, I don't know that we're dead, but it's probably not going well. And I think there's a point here where where, where Jesus is saying um, the world is broken and needs help. And you are the salt. You are the thing that the world needs. Uh, you belong here. You're going to be part of the remedy of this of this broken place. And God is going to bring the kingdom, and He's going to do that. There, there's later um, later parables about a little bit of kingdom going putting going into places and, and taking over the whole place, or or influencing, or um, yeast going into the whole loaf. That that's what the salt is. You, you the salt, the kingdom people, the church. The, the world needs you. The world needs you around being the salt and not just going, hey, do kingdom stuff. No, be kingdom people wherever you are, wherever you're interacting. Um, I think Jesus is saying I, people should be seeing all the stuff. And I got it highlighted as if people can see it. What the heck? That's not working. Um, but people should be seeing these things because that's who you are. And there, there's a need for the world because it's broken. You guys are the bringers of that good news, of that, that kingdom, the embassies. We use that, that word all the time. And I think that the other, another aspect of it, or to add on to what you said, that Jesus doesn't have in mind his kingdom people kind of holding up in some sort of enclave and not interacting with the world. I think the fact that he's talking about salt and light and mm-hmm. is the kind of thing, and the salt is the salt of the earth and the light is the light of the world. Mm-hmm. He clearly intends them to be out in the world as kingdom people having mm-hmm. some kind of positive effect, you might say. Mm-hmm. And when I say positive effect, it's not a, oh, I need to try harder to have a positive effect. Right. I need to press into the king and be more like the king and identify more mm-hmm. closely with the king. And I think that when we get back to the city on the hill, so along spent me a long time talking about salt for a little bit but going back to the light he 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 follows up this jesus not winthrop or reagan but jesus talks about hiding your light under a basket right after he talks about sitting on the hill so there's a city there's big light and then there's this 
uh, your light, and he talks about hiding under a basket, and that's not what lights are for. Mm. And I think I think we uh, hide our light under a basket when we fail to identify with the king when we have the opportunity to identify the king. I think it's mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's go out and try harder to be light. I think it's right. simply identify with the king and... When you're there and you have the chance to identify with the king, identify with the king, and that's the light that's going to shine. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's one side of it is don't put your light in a basket. Just identify the king, and be a a peacemaking, pure in heart, hum, mm-hmm. hungering and thirsting person. And the light's going. There's going to be plenty of light. Mm-hmm. The the flip side of that is I think you can go after this moral improvement or this moral stance where you're trying to make the world a more moral, better place, and you're going for it there and not identify the true king. So you can do the, the you might say, the good thing mm. without it being a kingdom thing. Mm. You can you can actually stand up for more morality and moral things without the light of the true king mm-hmm. being part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd encourage us all, I, I ponder this quite a bit, that it's very easy for us as Christians to, and I've done this, compartmentalize life. And, okay, on Sunday morning, I'm going to be Sunday morning, Eric, and I'm going to be uh, more Christian-y than, than, than normal. And then when I go to, I got my job at, at the mechanical contractor I work at, I'm going to be HVAC guy, Eric, over there. And there's there's a different way of interacting in the world over there. And then I'm going to have my hobbies, and I'm going to be a different person over there. And when I'm interacting with city stuff, I'll be interacting with city stuff, Eric, and I compartmentalize life and I do different things in different scenarios. And I feel like I almost need to practice um, identifying with the king in all those situations because I've done so much practice not doing that. Um, and it's it's astounding how many little scenarios there are where your lights, you got your, like, you, what's that <laughs> little kid song? Hide your, hide nice your little light under a bushel, no. Um, but there are so many small opportunities where you can have your light and then go, I'm just going to, I'm just going to cover this up because I don't really want to deal with the little bit of pushback or, or maybe the little side eye that I get. If, if someone talks to me about something, there are many situations there and I would encourage you, whatever that impulse is, if you're, you're sitting at work and, and someone asks you, you ask someone, Hey, how's your day going? You know, it's, it's not a good day. Some people will go, okay, that's fine. I hope to hope it gets better. I, my my i think kingdom influenced a jesus influenced response to that is naturally why why are you having a bad day and then when they give me an answer because of what jesus has done for me what how jesus has changed me my response is can i pray for you and i've i've covered that up so many times now i'm trying to go let's just do that thing i i belong to the king of the universe he desires to hear us he listens to us when we pray he wants to answer our prayers and I've prayed for people at work uh, as an impulse, and that's a little okay. We're I'm, I belong to the king. I'm doing kingdom things. I'm I had a chance to cover this thing up, but I'm not going to do it. Or just listen, be a listening ear for someone, or just care about someone. Or uh, I'm sure there's hundreds of examples of of things you've thought, listener, uh, interacting in the world, and you've decided now nah, that's that's a little much. I'm not, I'm not going to do that thing. Those are all little opportunities to go. Hey, I'm the, I'm part of the light of the world. Well, you're walking through the world as someone who's poor in spirit, 
someone who's fully alive because they're mourning. I mean, you somebody says there it's not a good day. That's something that a merciful person presses into. Mm-hmm. That's something mm-hmm. that someone who is mourning presses into. If somebody, if you have those little interactions and you're you're meek and merciful and that, you're going to press into those. Even if you're, you know, even if you're looking at your clock saying, oh, I've got to be somewhere. Mm. And whatever other excuse you may have for not pressing in, a kingdom person who's marked by these beatitudes is going to press in. And when you press in, that's your light shining and that's Mm -hmm. you having Mm -hmm. this uh, salting effect. And I think that's what he's talking about. So I'm just going to say that sounds way different. Mm. doesn't it then a city on a hill and doing some grand thing mm-hmm. that is amazing i think it's just an average everyday thing that makes the kingdom of heaven mm. this city on a hill it's not the extraordinary things it's not the great victories it's the it's the little uh, victories day by day where the light shines mm-hmm. and the salt uh, flavors so that, I guess, is the thing that I encourage you about, Eric, because yeah. it sounds like that's the th- kind of thing you're thinking about. And I, mm-hmm. that that's, seems to me to be the way to move through the world in a blessed and flourishing way mm. as salt and light. And I'll just take it one step further. You said that those are the small things, and they definitely are. And I want to encourage anyone listening. The, the Holy Spirit will prompt your heart at some point, probably tomorrow or the next day, to do some little thing. Just try it. Do that thing. I don't know what that thing is going to be, but it's probably going to be loving a neighbor or uh, caring for a neighbor or listening to a neighbor or something. Do that thing. And I'll, I'll do a little bit of pushback, Scott. I think those little things add up to something massive. And the God's going to bring the kingdom. And, I, and he's going to um, use our work and empower our work to do amazing things and loving our neighbors and I've seen through those little actions, people get added to the kingdom. And not because I did such an awesome sales pitch or anything like that, but uh, just me, okay, I'm going to be a little embassy here. I'm going to be a little candle. I'm going to be a little um, a little bit of salt and not hold those things back. And God's done amazing things, and I've seen it happen. And is it going to be, wow, we bent the entire structure of a complete nation state? To, no, it's not that. But God will add people to his kingdom, and God will change people, and God will change hearts, and God will love neighbors, and God will show, well, let's just go to scripture. Uh, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That will happen. That's, Jesus said it, and it will happen. So I would encourage you to do that. There there are small things, so they're simple, and... um, I'm, I'm sure today or tomorrow or the next day, there will be something that comes into your life and it'll be, oh, this is an opportunity that Eric and Scott were talking about. And I'd, I would encourage you just to jump in because um, you're a light and you're salt and you belong to the king. And that's, it's fantastic. So I think that's it. That's enough anyway. Okay, that's enough for Live today. Live as somebody who's part of the city on the hill. Yeah. Well, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review does go a long way. Send it to someone. um, Send them a text. Maybe call them. You could actually call them and say, hey, I'm listening to this thing. You should check it out. Uh, Share it with a friend in whatever way would work. And if you do have questions, send them to podcast at newlifenw.com. Or if you do some little action and there's a story behind it, send us an email at podcast 
to podcast at newlifeandw.com. We would love to hear it. That would be fantastic and encouraging for us. But until then, we look forward to the next conversation. So.